Welcome. You found the People of Chattanooga podcast. I'm your host, Luke Swab, and today I talked with Brianna Garza. She worked a nine-to-five for nine years and recently was fired because of COVID-19. Um, she's always been an entrepreneur, but instead of becoming unemployed, as she puts it, she doubled down on her two businesses and became a full-time self-employed entrepreneur. She runs one business uh, renting out Airbnbs, and she also started Chat Taste, which is a company that offers eating tours uh, sampling the local restaurants in Chattanooga. She is one of the most positive people that I've talked to in a while, and she is making 2020 a great year for herself. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Brianna Garza. Okay, and we're recording. I am here with Brianna Garza. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Welcome uh, to the People Chattanooga Podcast. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Like, can we talk about how awesome this location is? Oh, yeah, we can. Like, man, like I walked here from a coffee shop on Main Street and got here in like five minutes. Yeah. Like, I would spend all of my little money on eating out in the South Side if I were here. Well, you raise a good point. You pretty much don't need a kitchen if you live here no. because there's all these great places to eat, as you know, within walking distance. And that is my jam, obviously, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Should we talk, jump right in about that? I think we should. Let's, let's do it. Okay. So what, it, what do you do? I am the co-founder um, slash owner of Chat Taste Food Tours. And I really like unpacking like what the, a food tour is because some people don't know. I get asked all the time, like, okay, well, what do you sell at your restaurant? I'm like, okay, we're not a restaurant. I literally don't make anything. I'm not the best cook, in all honesty, uh, which is kind of why I do what I do. I know where to go, the places to eat, um, and we just we curated this one of a kind experience in Chattanooga around it. Mm -hmm. So, what how the food tour works maybe is a good starting point. Yeah. Imagine you're like speed dating, that you have you're going to present your best self, right? And you have a very short amount of time to make a positive impression. So when you're on a food tour, you're speed dating the restaurant. So it's not progressive per se, where you can have an appetizer, an entree and dessert. You can do that on your own. I want top of style of the chef's best dish. Like give me your best shot. Show me what you got. And that's what the food tour company does. Um, difference in going on a food tour than just a conventional dining experience is that your food is delivered by the chef. You get to interact with, talk to the person that made your food. And you'll always wonder, like, who the hell made this dish and what is the story behind it once you leave? Like, it's a perpetual thing that happens after you're on the food tour. Yeah, I like that. I, especially, like, meeting the chef. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because you have so many questions. Uh, like, what was that little flavor, that little extra thing, that little bit of love that they put in it? And, yeah. and then you can kind of put a face to mm -hmm. what you just had. I love that. And it even goes beyond that. Imagine um, going to a fine dining restaurant and seeing that head chef that you met on the food tour performing at JJ's. Like being a chef is what they do, but these chefs, these executive chefs are also our neighbors and they have different talents and you can really establish those relationships like during those food tours. Like, yeah, that's, that's fennel, but hey, if you guys are free and you guys are interested based off like, the t-shirt you're wearing, I have a show coming up, come check it out. 
And that's the community dynamic that you can't get just going to the restaurant on your own. Like this, that sense of community, like knowing the person that made your food on an intimate level outside of their expertise. I love that point. And that's actually exactly what this podcast is built on. It's because now people can listen to this podcast, learn more about you, and then see you walking down the street and say, oh, okay, that's Brianna. That's like what she does. Know more about you, you know, and at the grocery store, you know, you just see him at the terminal, yeah. whatever, and more of a community aspect. I love that. Absolutely honk at me and talk <laughs> to me in the dairy section at Publix. Absolutely do that. It, it will make my day. Is the dairy section your favorite section? <laughs> it is not. I don't even eat drink milk. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do you have this cheese? You love cheese? I do love cheese, though. Yeah. That's what I'll be, I'll be doing. I'll be picking out cheeses at Whole Foods, and someone will come up and talk to me, and I'll be elated because they hurt me on people of Chattanooga. What is your favorite cheese? Um, brie. I have to go with a brie cheese. I'm, my name is Brianna, like, right? That makes sense. What's a good um, apricot preserve on a brie cheese? Oh, my goodness. You're making me hungry. Listen, I, c- I can make a mean charcuterie board. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had, um, have you been into Blue Cheese, no, Blue Fox Cheese Shop? Yes, and I really like their pivot due to COVID um, where they're doing their virtual cheese and wine tastings. Um, Listen, I cheer on everyone um, in the industry because it's been rough for everyone, you know? And to have a solid pivot is like the bomb. And I think they're really knocking it out of the park. Well, that's a good point to make because... I noticed um, when the whole COVID thing happened, um, a lot of restaurants, a lot of restaurants like start doing really poor. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of restaurants, I think they're actually improved. They actually did better because they're more flexible with that pivot like you're talking about. And I have met more restaurant owners um, during kind of this time mm-hmm. where before you know social media wise you you were told you know you disassociate you don't put your face you are not your company you know you allow your brand to develop itself where now like i want to know who the general manager is at you know songbirds and i want to know um I, I was able to you can meet jason at you know bitter yeah, alibi yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like you know who he is and it, that dynamic that you're talking about, like you can meet them and ask them questions and talk to them. And it's like, you can build that rapport easier when you know who's the face of that business. That's interesting. I yeah. never thought about it that way before. Like people are more interested in people just like stories. Mm-hmm. I think that might be some yeah. of it. And, and, uh, they like this story behind where this comes from, you know, more and more people in the food want to know like where their animals even come from, you mm-hmm. know, or, or their plants. I mean, or wherever they're eating, they want to know the process. So I think humans are just curious in stories and that's a great way to promote your business or your restaurant is, um, sell it as a story and who you are. And right now is the perfect time to do that because people have the time they're at home, they're working from home and they're in a position, they're seated and they're wanting to absorb as much information organically as possible anyway. So if you haven't gotten in front of your social media and said, hey, I am who I am and this is why we do what we do, it's not too late to do that. Um, which is another thing that you know I wanted to tell people is that it's not too late to make your pivot. We always think that we're behind um, you know, that that wave, like if I haven't done it already and been successful in navigating this pandemic, it's over with, but it's not Yeah. like we went almost three months with no money, no revenue, like forget profit margins, nothing. 
zero dollars um and it took us about three months to come up with something that was authentic for us because I don't want to ever be inauthentic with customers. Um, so it took us a while and I'm glad we took our time. So what was your pivot? Oh gosh, we got into virtual experience, culinary experiences. And I think we'd be remiss not to acknowledge the current political climate. And I personally believe that conversations, tough conversations in particular, you can have them um, respectfully and they're a little bit easier to digest pun intended over food. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of got into like these kind of social, uh, social events. We did a Juneteenth food tour where, yeah, it doesn't matter what you look like or what type of food you enjoy come together. Let's learn about this holiday, but let's do it in a fun, respectful way. Let's eat barbecue. You know, things happen over barbecue, all right? Yeah. Shout out to Charlie's Chattanooga. But <laughs> oh, they're the best. I love them. Um, and so we've gotten into the virtual events. We've gotten to wholesaling. Like, I have always been against brick and mortars. Why, like, why is that? I just, this is just personal. You know, I think that um, for businesses, especially startups, I think they get over their head and overhead. Mm-hmm. Like, damn that building, you know, um, find a way, a creative way to sustain yourself without taking on this grandiose amount of, of overhead. And um, that's where I built Chat Taste around. We're completely service oriented. So getting into wholesaling is like, OK, now we got inventory. So throw your entire business model out of the window. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been fun. Um, it's been a pivot and a change that I didn't think we would ever get into because of my philosophy on inventory and brick and mortars. Um, but there's so much value in having, um, these consumer goods readily available and curating for people that don't aren't, aren't necessarily comfortable coming out of the house yet. Right. So I don't want to ignore that base that those that support because it's there. Mm-hmm. What's it like to organize, uh, and start a virtual, um, food tour? So a virtual food tour is um, is curbside, so it's very similar to picking up your food from a restaurant, except your pickup is going to include, um, one pickup is going to include food from three to four restaurants. Um, and so you can follow along the actual event virtually, pick up your food 30 minutes prior to the start, and eat along with us, hear from the chefs, and have that experience. Um, there's also, um, we're launching a kind of a podcast version, so that the, you're interacting with the chef and he's talking to you over what, with what you're eating, but obviously you're not physically in the restaurant in, in that space. Is that like a Zoom call where, where um, you see his face on the computer and then you can ask questions? Um, do you see other people's faces? How does that work? So they're pre-recorded. Okay. So you see the chef and he's interacting with you. And we have a way, um, a few chefs that will allow us to have personalized messaging if it's, you're celebrating an anniversary, a date night, some type of milestone. Um, so it's not like a zoom call where it's live and in person. Um, but you still get to interact with that chef. You still get to meet them. Uh, There's kind of a, an agenda where they go over things that interest them, things you wouldn't know, um, or what you would know and learn if you were physically sitting in that restaurant interacting with that chef. Right. So you're still leaving with, um, more knowledge about, uh, where your food originated from and the personality and the person behind that meal, um, than you would during your typical delivery and dining service. Now, you mentioned the uh, June 17th. Is it June 17th? June, June, 19th. Ni- June, June 19th. 19th, yes. Okay, you mentioned June Juneteenth. Uh-huh. How many of these virtual um, uh, food tours have you had? 
So we have launched um, after Juneteenth, which that food tour was based off of MLK. Mm-hmm. It is now a permanent um, installment in our food tour offerings where you can take that tour virtually um, or you can be in person in small group format. At any time you want? So there, the logistics matter. Okay. Um, gosh, I've gone on food tours that lasted three hours. I've gone on food tours that started 45 minutes late. Like we want to be a good steward of your time and your money. So you go onto the website and you pick your tour based off uh, your availability, but they're all predetermined time and date for each offering. Okay. How often do you have these tours? Um, right now they're running Tuesday through Friday. Hmm. Our dinner tours start at 6 p.m. Um, one of my favorite tours is our electric bike lunch tour that runs Tuesday through Friday at noon. Um, so, hey, take an extra 30 minutes. It takes about an hour and a half to do, but uh, it is pretty awesome. Um, if For those that have never had any experience on electric bikes, you don't have to have any experience to go on this tour. You're completely in service before you, you start your ride. Um, but the bikes at Pedago Chattanooga are, are the bomb. Where is that located, Pedagogia? Um, it is Pedago Chattanooga is the electric bike company and it's located um, on River Street. So it is right below Good Dog. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In the basement. Uh-huh. Yeah. Next Facing to, the like, carousel. And stuff yes. Like that. Right next to Cashew. Okay. So I think I'm starting to get a picture of what this is all about. And um, so can you walk me through the lunch uh, tour that you have on the electric bike and how it works and maybe the prices and, and what are the experiences you're getting? So if you book your, let's start with the booking process. You would book your tour on the website, mm-hmm. um, uh, chattaste.com. There's three T's when, you put in, when you're putting in the <laughs> website. It gets really fun when you get to that third T. But chattaste.com, you'd book your tour. And when you're making your selection, it's going to ask your height because that matters for the bike you, that's selected. Um, that information is relayed to Pedago Chattanooga and in, are both participating restaurants on that tour, which is Mezcla. Mm-hmm. the Mexican restaurant at Cherokee and Market, as well as Puckett's Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. You get the logistics via email. You show up at Pedago five minutes prior to the start of the tour. You get in-service on your bike. Um, you get your helmet. You sign your disclosures. Um, and then you ride through Coolidge. The thing about the electric bike is we want guests to get a feel for it. So you test it out. You play with the throttle. I mean, they're... They're badass. I don't know if I can curse on this, but yeah, you can say whatever you want. There, it's it. We want guests to feel comfortable, but gosh, I mean, they can get up to twenty miles per hour. So you have a, a guide with you. Um, so there's no guesswork. You don't have to figure out where to go, what to do. Your guide is going to take you through Coolidge Park, around the backside of of Coolidge to Mescla. You're going to eat some amazing Mexican food. You're going to go back through Coolidge, get your bearings on the bike again, and then you're going to take on Market Street. Like, that's exhilarating for me. Mm-hmm. And you get are, across. Are you on the sidewalk? Or are no. You on the, you're on the road. No, and you can't be on the sidewalk. Okay. Your, your electric bike is a vehicle. Like, mm-hmm. you legally can't be on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And you're more likely to hit a pedestrian on that sidewalk than you are to be in any type of accident on the road. Sure. So you take on Market Street, you get across to Puckett's, and you have like this hoorah moment, like we didn't die, it was perfect, I was yeah. nervous, but we did it. Um, you eat some some barbecue, you head back across Market, you go back through Coolidge, and then you end up, end up at Go Chattanooga. And um, the food tour company is also small business. So that tour truly promotes three businesses, two restaurants plus an electric bike shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so food is always the basis. There will always be food on every tour, but we do try to incorporate other small businesses in there as well. 
I love that. And how long did you say that tour takes? About an hour and a half? Uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Perfect. I love that. I can't commit to anything longer than two hours personally. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, I'm out of here. Yeah, for sure. I like that. Um, and Coolidge is such a cool park in general. Um, that's a great place to, for the fir- if you're getting on a bike for the first time mm-hmm. or an e-bike, that's a great place to kind of work out the kinks and everything. I agree. Yeah, that's good. And I do like how uh, you, you have a little bit of challenge of going over Market Street Bridge. You take on Market Street, but you yeah. know, you feel good when you're when you get there. I, before, prior to this tour, I had no electric bike experience. I could barely ride a conventional bike. And it is it is an exhilarating. It never gets old. I love going on that tour and testing um, the logistics and uh, just because it, it never gets old to me, like going across that bridge and seeing the mountains and the river and people are so um, safety conscious in the, their vehicles. Um, and we do it in a tight group. We're on the right side of the street. So there's still a lot of safety parameters that we put into place. Uh, but it's, an, it's a fun experience. I encourage it for everyone. That sounds great. Um, what are some more tours you have? So we have our, our MLK tour, which mm-hmm. is based obviously on MLK Boulevard. That includes uh, Chat Smokehouse, Proof Barn Incubator, which has neutral ground, um, Poppyton's Patisserie, which is uh, dessert, Uncle Larry's and Mimo's. And then we have our original tour, which is the downtown Chattanooga tour that is based out of West Village. That tour um, includes Dorado, Paloma Bar de Tapas, Old Gilman Grill, and we finale at Reed House. Very nice. And that tour, if you're interested, I am the tour guide for that tour. So if you want to talk origin story and hang out with the owner of Chat Taste Food Tours, the downtown Chattanooga tour is where you can find me. I love that. And how often do you have that one? That tour is available Tuesday through Thursday at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And for special events on Fridays and Saturdays. So if you want to do a weekend tour, we reserve those. You just request it. We curate it for you. Yeah. Is there a minimum amount of people that you need for the tours? Or can you can you just go? Do you go with strangers? Is that how it works? Or Yeah. So it's, it's a mixed bag. What we've allowed um, as kind of a COVID response is that if you want to do a private tour, there is no charge. As long as you have four guests, four to six guests in your group, We'll cut it off. We won't allow anyone else to join your group. Um, but I do prefer the mixed bag tours where, you know, it's two couples that don't know each other, you know, eating dinner together and having those conversations. Um, and I get really nosy. I, did they follow each other on Instagram after yeah. this? And when they do, I get excited about it because you've, you've made a new friend. So you're all eating at the same table, hanging out, enjoying, mm-hmm. having some friendships and making friends and all that kind of stuff. You're, you're drinking local uh, alcohol. Like We only do um, local breweries um, for our beer options. Um, we typically go with Lass and Lions for our, our vodka option, Chattanooga whiskey, obviously, when nice. you know if, if guests make that option. But um, yeah, strangers become friends at the end of that tour. Yeah, and it's like you said earlier, um, food and meals just have this way of connecting people Mm -hmm. it's like this special magic glue um that's wonderful eating with someone is is one of the best ways to get to know someone yeah and people always talk about like um hanging out with at their grandma's house but it's usually when grandma was baking or you know when at thanksgiving dinner like just be honest no one goes to thanksgiving for their family we go (laughs) we go for the food you know and if there are people we're related to there then so be it yeah um it's the food that that has that memory and there's like a sensory type of uh scientific way that that correlation matters like that tactile that that olfactory that smell that presentation Mm -hmm. that visual presentation of your food like it all ties into like this amazing experience like listen i really get into it i can go on and on like it's legit like i love it 
Yeah. Um, I mean, you even hear people say like, yeah, I married her for her cooking, mm-hmm. you know, like, and isn't that a saying, uh, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Have you heard that one? Oh yeah. The way to my heart mm-hmm. is through my stomach. My husband is the cook in our house. Oh, nice. So uh, listen, I, I own the food tour company because I am not the cook. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he told me to stop spending so much money. Um, but yeah, like that it unites people. I mean, you can, you can get a lot done and I can, I physically see people and their shoulders relax Yeah. when they sit down and the food comes out. Cause you no longer have to fill the dead space you're eating, you're, yeah. you're enjoying the meal. And that commonality is automatically, um, is shared amongst the guests. That does. It does help you relax. Cause, um, if there's no food, you're sitting across from a blank table. It's mm-hmm. like, you, you know, awkward silences can happen and, uh, you can just take a bite of whatever you're eating. Yeah. And that's why the logistics matter. As soon as you arrive to your first location, your cocktail and your first meal is waiting for you. And that way you, you immediately are, you're relaxed and you get into the experience as soon as you arrive. There is no downtime. Um, and I love when guests show up because there's no menu. Mm-hmm. You know, you are, you are, this is a trust exercise almost. Like you <laughs> like paid that. this money and you don't know what I'm going to feed you. Um, so what we do is we take your dietary preferences, um, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, and your allergies. That's it. You know, I'm Brianna, I'm vegetarian, and I don't like tomatoes. Done. That information is given to the chef. And a lot of the food that comes to food tour tables are not on the menu. That chef curated it just for you. Oh, wow. Because we have a sense of uh, people like what they're comfortable with. You know, um, I considered myself a foodie because I had been to every restaurant in Chattanooga, basically. But I would order the same thing at every restaurant that I would go to in Chattanooga. And the food tour is meant to be this experience where you don't get to choose what you eat. We have your parameters. We know what you're allergic to. Chef is going to like go off script, go rogue, which they never get the chance to do. They probably love that. Oh my God. And they get to leave the kitchen and actually see people enjoy their creation. They're artists. That, the, the food is their medium. How does the payment work with this? Do we, um, you just pay ahead of time mm-hmm. on your website. Um, do you leave tips or how does that work? So gratuity is included in your ticketed price. Mm-hmm. Um, we do encourage guests, if they, if they want to, they had a great experience to tip the tour guide. At okay. the end of the tour. Yeah. Um, but there is no money exchange on that tour. Your cost of your ticket covers your your alcohol, your food, um, gratuity. And then you have uh, a Chattanooga ambassador, a tour guide with you on at every location. Nice. I like that. That's a one-stop shop. It sounds like a perfect date night. Easy like... peasy. I love the, the husbands that buy the food tour because we've done everything for you. Yeah. Um, They'll upgrade their package. They'll buy the flowers. The flowers are waiting for them when they arrive. It's perfect. Where do the flowers come from? Is Fox that, and Fern. Is that okay? Fox and Fern and the Bloomin' Wagon are my two favorite uh, flower shops in downtown. Nice. Um, you say you've ate at every restaurant in Chattanooga. Oh I'm I'm just curious. Is that true? Listen, no, and I because. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm just being honest because there are more restaurants popping up. All the time. All the time. So I'd be lying if I said I've gone to every restaurant because Little Mama Hoagies. She's coming. Oh, gosh. I'm so excited. I had one. Have you? How? She came on the podcast. (gasps) She gave me one the next day. It's fantastic. Listen, I'm just going to keep walking past there. Once I get that sidewalk done out there, I'm going to walk past every day until they feel sorry for me and invite me in. Like Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to do. 
Can you put her on the um, on the lunch tour? Just know, I hope she's listening to this because I'm coming for her. I want them, I want little mama hoagies on a food tour. Have you met her? I have not. She's fantastic. I've heard. This is such a, a tight community. You know cool people. Well, that's the perk of having a podcast. Yeah. Is you get to meet the coolest people in town. You it's, have the best uh, job. Fantastic. And you get hoagies in the process. Yeah, that was a treat. And I, I shared it with my girlfriend and my roommate and they both loved it. So. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a restaurant. I'm trying to stump you with one that you might not have been to. Mm. Have you, um, my favorite uh, taco place is in Rossville called Miss G's. Have you been there? I have not been there. You should try it out. I'm I'm upset that I haven't been Taco, there. I, need to... I went there yesterday. Tacos Pastor. I think they're the best in town. Fantastic. Ooh. I tried to get her on the podcast, but she works every day. You gotta you gotta get mobile, dude. You gotta go out there and have some tacos and and talk it up. Mm-hmm. That's true. I can move the studio. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. We yeah. can load up in the chat taste van and make it happen. Oh, so you guys have a, a tour van? We do. We have a, a ten passenger van. We've taken out a row of seating so that um, people are forced to kind of distance on yep. the van. Um, so we accommodate groups of six to eight on the on the on the van, and that's how you're getting around when you're not doing the e-bike lunch tour. So that's how everyone gets around. Mm-hmm. So All the transportation is included. Another bonus: you don't have to worry about parking. No, none of that stuff. Um, who's do you have a separate driver, or are you the driver? It de- it depends on the tour. So when we utilize the van, there's always a driver plus the tour guide. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to us utilizing the van, we were using the chatty wagon. Oh, that's fun. So, you know, shout out to Aaron and Alex. Like, that was such a fun um, tour when we had our Taco Tuesday food tour. Um, so the same restaurants on Taco Tuesday is kind of transformed into that lunch tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still get people that ask me about, you know, when is the Taco Tuesday tour coming back? That was a lot of fun, too. What was the Taco tour? And so you, you go to three rex- Mexican restaurants. And the variety of restaurants were so different. One, um, one restaurant, the family was born in Guadalajara, Mexico. This it was family recipes. The second option was kind of your Tex-Mex option, and then what? your third location was uh, kind of your industry franchise location, just so you can kind of yeah. taste and feel the difference. The they diff- all are awesome. What were they? Was Taco Jalisco the one that was? No. Oh, you know, okay. Those so guys are great too. I lo- I'm obsessed with them. They're another person I'm coming for because I spend so much money and time there. Like I love that place. And I love the story behind it. I was going when it was the smaller place yeah. right across the street. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that place has elevated and done so well. So the, on that tour was Mexiville. Yeah. Mezcla. Yeah. And then it was Citronet Cell in West Village. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, a stump show. Yeah, you got me. Um, and the eye shot there was so much fun. Like, it's literally a small Mexican bell down an alley. You get a shot glass literally made of ice. So you pour your tequila into the eye shot. You take it and then hurl that bad boy at the bell. And you get $5 off. If you hit the bell? Yes. That's fantastic. Is that only available on your food tour? Or? No, it is available now. But Citron, um, Citron itself is not open now. It has not reopened <sighs> Since COVID, I know. That's too bad. I've never had an ice shot. You have to do the ice shot. I'm going to take you to do the ice shot. I got to, I got to, we got hoagies coming in here. I got to show up for you. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, My favorite sandwich is a Reuben. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious, I've been on this mission to find the best Reuben in town. Mm. Do you like Reubens? I'm vegetarian. Okay. So. Cashew makes a vegetarian Reuben sometimes, sometimes. Gosh, where can you find a good Reuben? 
Where do you go to get a good Reuben? Main Street Meats. Oh, yeah. Um, Blue Fox Cheese Shop uh-huh. and Riverside Deli. Top Rivers- three. Riverside Deli is always on point. Mm-hmm. And they've been th- they've been there forever. They're a staple. They in are North a Shore. staple. They are definitely a staple. And um, the guy that I think owns it, or at least runs it, mm-hmm. he always does. He always try to change your order when you go up there to order. Um, Do you know what I'm saying? No. no I don't know that I've experienced that. He always, maybe it's you. Like he's always, I'm <laughs> gonna might, mess with him again. Well, it's either it's me and everyone I'm always <laughs> with. I'm like. Have you ever seen the Seinfeld episode of the Soup Nazi? Mm-mm. Okay, well, it's basically uh, you have to uh, you have to like order very politely and say, "I'll take this, please." And if and if the guy suggests something else, you say, "Okay, that's fine." You make no substitutions; otherwise, he'll kick you out of the restaurant. I like this, and, and that's kind of the feel I get from this guy. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just like kind of you know have the most. Uh, humbling posture i can have hands behind may i please have may, yes may i please have <laughs> may i please have the uh reuben he's like do you want the turkey reuben i'm like no thanks the standard reuben please <laughs> you're gonna get the turkey oh uh, sometimes you'd cave <laughs> like does he give tax advice because i feel like this guy knows what's best for people he and, does yeah you know like what are what are his other talents right that's funny. Mm-hmm. I like that model. I mean, that's kind of what the food tour is like. Hey, give me your money. I'll, you'll, you'll find out what you're getting when you get there. Well, I like that because it does expand your taste buds. Um, I'm a huge believer in a chef can make any ingredient that I don't like taste good. For instance, I don't like black olives. Mm-hmm. I think the right chef can make a dish with black olives that I like. Easily. Yeah, I think that I just believe in that. So... If I see something that says black olives, I'm not going to order it. Mm-hmm. But on your food tour, if you if if they give me something with black olives, I'm going to eat it. And I'm probably going to like it. And the pendulum swings. I've had guests try something on a food tour that wasn't their favorite, but they were so over the moon that they tried it, mm-hmm. that it was presented to them. I mean, um, you may not like every bite, but there's so many different options on that tour. You're gonna you're gonna leave full. And you're going to have, like, whether it's something you've tried for the first time or would normally order or someone in the group would have never. Like, you kind of just play off of each other's energy. And yeah. it's, it's comical. I love when um, Chef Rose brings out the octopus. Oh, uh, where's this at? Oh, that's at Paloma, rooftop at the Westin. Oh, okay. And if you're not allergic to seafood and, you know, if, if it didn't meet any of those, like, n- the no list. yeah. She may whip it out, and we're talking about a gourmet cut. I mean, it's slow smoked for four hours, but texturally, you're going to see the tentacles. And I crack up because, you know, guests will say, well, oh, no, I've had calamari before. I'm like, come on. That's a totally different animal. It's a different animal. Totally different animal. It's a squid. That octopus is offended that you called it a squid. Yeah. Um, But just to see the look on people's face where, you know, I'm glad I tried it. Probably not something I would order again. Or they're like, I would have never ordered that, and I'm getting it when I come back. How do they cook the octopus? Um, it's slow smoked. And do they not fry it or bread it or anything nope. like that? Okay. It is sauce. A- is it plain? No, it comes with a potato, and it has um, an aioli that comes with it as well. And uh-huh. I'm sure, like Paloma's hearing this, is like that's not what it comes with. <laughs> On the tour, you'll be a, the, the chef will come out you can and ask her. Yes. Yeah, you can um, ask her. But it has a, a few different pairings that come with the fillet. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to see that tentacle. And it, it's like s- smiling at you because it's a fillet cut. And you kind of go through that um, that lesson of, you know, what cut is this? Where does it come from? How do you cook it? Uh, because, you know, when guests come back, 
that's their conversation starter for their next group. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's the relationship with the restaurant. I'll bring them in and introduce them to the chef and introduce them to the space. They're, but they're going to come back on their own. Um, what does it taste like? Oh, gosh. So let's start with what it doesn't taste like. It's not super fishy. Um, I've had octopus before. And I know people are like, didn't she say she was vegetarian? Listen, I try the food. I'm not allergic. You know, um, I would say I live a vegetarian, mostly vegan diet 99% of the time, but I will try different things. Um, and what I liked about the octopus is that it wasn't super chewy. It wasn't super fishy. Um, but I can't tell you, like, it tastes similar to this because I don't know that there is have, something that equates have you closely had, enough. Have you had calamari? Oh, yeah. And it doesn't taste like that? At all. Okay. Calamari is going to be super spongy and... Um, chewy where the octopus, if, it, if the filet is cut well, it won't have that same um, consistency or taste at all. Yeah. Now, now I want to try it for sure. You got to, you got to check it out. Um, they're, they're knocking it out of the park at Paloma. Yeah. I like that place just for the views. Oh yeah. And that place used to be Blue Cross Blue Shield. Like someone had a bomb office up there overlooking like the mountains that we never knew that that view did not exist until the Weston opened in November. Do you have any um, food tours that you're trying to create right now? Yes. I would love to do an international tour. Oh. I think that North Shore is, um, it's not underrated. I think everyone knows like the grandeur and the options, the culinary options there. Um, but it was actually the idea of a friend of mine, Carolina um, Malloy. Um, she owns ASI Chat, the adventure sports. I don't know if you guys have seen the people on the bikes on the river or the... The hoverboards or the the scooters? Isn't like, isn't that the same company that the electric bikes come from? That's Pedego Chattanooga. Are they next to each other? They're they're they face the carousel facing Coolidge Park. Um, they're about yeah three businesses apart from each other. Okay, yeah. Um, but ASI Chat, um, they have the the extreme sport options. They have the virtual reality roller coaster in their facility. And it was the owner, Carolina, that said, why don't you do an international tour? Here are the names of restaurant owners on Cherokee Boulevard. Let's make it happen. And I was like, yeah, we're doing it. Um, but I love that about Chattanooga because if it makes sense for another business, um, people will reach out and offer that advice. And I'm always open to perfecting my craft and making the experiences we offer better. So if there are any suggestions for food tours from anyone listening to that, we are so open and hell, we'll name it after you. Oh yeah. Throw those ideas at me. Um, I love uh, the international tour idea um, because I do think Chattanooga could use some more international food. Mm -hmm. um, we have lots of burgers. We have lots of burgers. We make a pretty good burger. If you want a burger, you're good, but we're still missing a lot such as Ethiopian. Mm -hmm. I love Ethiopian food. Um, you know, I, I come from Lansing, Michigan, which is a university town. Yeah. And there's so many college students from all over the world. I didn't realize how lucky I was. I was eating international $5 lunches that was, you know, they were marketing towards the students. Mm -hmm. And then I, I came to Chattanooga and, um, we could up our game. We're we're doing fine. Yeah. We. I mean, I love what we have, but uh, you know, me loving food, mm -hmm. I love as much different kinds as we can yeah, get. Yeah, but and you know, and I think Cherokee Boulevard is such an excellent location, uh, because like just think about 
two blocks, two city blocks, you have Brew House, mm-hmm. you have Opa, there's Bella Lisboa, there is uh, Mr. Toto's. Um, I mean, you kind of have like, that's that's four different types of food. The, per- the Peruvian place too, is that... What's that one called? I think it's Peruvian food. Um, Bella Lisboa is Portuguese. Portuguese. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. So you have all these options like right there. That's one city block. Mm-hmm. You know, you cross the street one time, you've had four different countries. You know, these, these locations are so diverse. Um, and sometimes it's about not having the available options and pushing for more options, but utilizing what we have available because you'd be shocked the amount of people, um, staycationers that come on food tours and say, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no clue. This is what downtown offered and people don't know how to navigate it. Yeah. If you're, if you're unfamiliar with something on the menu, you're, you're going to go for that safe burger and fries option. Yeah. So that's great that you are forcing them to try stuff that mm-hmm. you know they're going to like. I mean, it's especially if the chef's going rogue and he's really putting his heart into it. It's going to be, it's going to be good. Oh yeah. And we've had good response to it. Um, and, but I tell you, I crack up every time. Like, you guys trust us. You bought this ticket, had no idea what you were eating, and showed up anyway. You are my kind of people. Can Let's um, rewind here a little bit. How did you get to this place you are now of starting your own business? Have you always thought of owning your own business or running your own business? Or what's your background? Gosh, um, I really appreciate your question. Like, have I always thought about owning my own business? No. But I think like there is this entrepreneurial like bug that kind of lives within all of us. This this dream to kind of work for yourself, to put all your energy into your own projects. But um, prior to starting the food tours and doing this full time, because I I eat lunch for a living now, like I do food tours full time. That's a pretty good gig. Um, But before that, I was a healthcare administrator where I oversaw clinical services at a a large local nonprofit for nine years. Um, And I'm appreciative of that experience because I learned so much in terms of the foundation and structure-wise what is needed to go into a business. And it was scary as hell. Um, And I'm super loyal to something I, uh, to to any project I commit to. I would probably be, it'll be 10 years from now and I would still have been in that role. Super pleased. I loved my job. Um, but there would be something missing. I think I, I always had that desire to branch out and do something on my own. Um, and it didn't start with food tours. Prior to Chat Taste Food Tours, um, I owned a few rental properties. And I actually teach the Intro to Airbnb course for the city. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I teach it at the Chattery. And I teach people um, how to start their businesses without banks and loans. Um, Chat Taste is 100% debt-free into our second year, and I'm really proud of that because I use short-term vacation rentals and um, income from the properties for all my startup costs. And I really want to show people that, you know, not to take on as much overhead because your success is going to be based on your survivability. No one planned for a pandemic. But businesses that were service oriented and didn't have the overhead to begin with are a little bit better off at this point. And that's what I want to I want for others. I want to teach them how to diversify um, resource development and acquisition for their startups. 
and I don't know everything. I mean, I can't give you advice on loans for businesses, but I can show you something that worked for me, and that was short-term vacation rentals. So you say you teach a class on that mm-hmm. for the city? Well, I teach it. I've been on a few panel discussions. I represented um, short-term vacation rentals with the Chattanooga Visitors Bureau. Um, I've been on a few panel discussions with the state of Tennessee um, with uh, the COO of tourism. He's oversees the top 25 tourist attractions for the state. And then on a smaller scale, I teach it um, locally. Um, and that's something that I love about virtual learning now is my course maxed out at 20 participants in person. Now I can get upwards of 99 people on a Zoom call and kind of go over what it means to start your own property management company. Um, And we throw curveballs. Like you don't have to own a thing. You don't have to own property to have Airbnbs. You don't have to... um, I mean, there's just so many rules that we put um, on concepts that don't truly exist. And so I debunk those. That's wonderful. Yeah. Can you give us a little example of how you don't have to own a home to um, have a Airbnb? So there is a term um, that's called lease arbitrage. And what it says is that I am going to lease from you. And we are going to come up with an agreement that allows me to sublet or utilize this space for other means other than it being my uh, place of residence. And so it's, it, it looks like it's just an lease addendum. It says, I give this person permission to use this property as a short-term vacation rental because that's going to be um, vital to you getting uh, your Airbnb license with the city as well, is having that compliance and then building that relationship. So no, you don't have to own the property um, to Airbnb it, you just need that permission to um, to do so. And it comes down to the negotiations mm-hmm. um, for the properties that I was sub subletting to Airbnb. I was paying upwards of uh, 15% more than a cost of the rent to do those negotiations. Yeah. So just the power of, of and, and still talking. making a, and still making a profit and on still that. making a profit and how you don't shoot in the dark. I, I get people on the course all the time that says, Oh no, I stayed in this Airbnb Um, in Virginia beach and it was $300 a night. My place is double the size. I have way more, you know, accommodations. So if if that one was 300 bucks a night, mine can absolutely be 350. I'm like, ah, not exactly how it works. Um, but in that course we break down the science of knowing whether it makes sense to go down the road of at least arbitrage or utilizing that sublet option to, um, to start your short-term vacation rental. Um, I'm just curious on that personal level, what were, um, how were your Airbnbs performing during this COVID mess that we're in? Um, so when I talked about kind of that 68 days, you know, almost, you know, two yeah. months plus of, of no, no income- revenue, yeah, yeah. you know, forget profits, yeah. throw profits out the window. There was no revenue. There yeah. was nothing coming in. And that included, no checks. that included the Airbnbs where, um, Airbnb, was pretty much shut down and they allowed for guests to counsel with no um, penalties, which Mm -hmm. I, I agree with, you know, if people feel uncomfortable traveling, they should have the option of backing out of, of those accommodations. Um, But Airbnb also did a good job of offering uh, different incentives for hosts to maintain those spaces. And it's, it's tough. You're talking about, I have, uh, colleagues that have upwards of 17 20 airbnb locations and so those mortgages don't get paid if people aren't staying in them um so i i can't even tell you where they are 
Um, but if you were able to like, wait it out per se, um, occupancy, the average occupancy for short-term vacation rentals now is about 70%. Um, prior to COVID, it was upwards of 85. So it is relatively back to where it was. Um, so if you were able to kind of hold off during the summer, you should be in the same, uh, a good position right now to continue Airbnb. So people are, people are coming back now. People yes. are traveling again. Yeah. 75% seems pretty high. That's three out of four weeks. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, yeah. You can do a 70, it's averaging about 70% occupancy for short-term vacation rentals. And I don't know if that's relative to the number of available short-term vacation rentals decreasing. So there's yeah. a, a few variables that I'm sure. just not clear on. Uh-huh. Um, but that is a very optimistic number and it's something I'm pleased with. So when I do teach the course, I do give that light and that data because that's what this is about. You don't have to, shouldn't have to take the risk and operate in the dark. And I made so many mistakes being an Airbnb um, host, compliance-wise, just interacting with guests. So I have a long, like, hot watch at the end of the course where I talk about, like, the shit show that I had of, of things not to do. Um, and I think people really appreciate that. Come super transparent. Yeah, that's great. How often do you do these courses? Um, there is no... Um, like, set. S- there's no set schedule, but I am teaching the course October 6th and October 13th at proof bar and incubator. Oh, cool. And so that will be available. Um, I would encourage people to um, just follow my social media, um, Brianna.garza1 on Instagram, um, Brianna Garza on Facebook, because um, there's going to be limited space. But I want to slowly introduce that face-to-face dynamic um, because I thrive off of it. I love seeing the humans. I miss the faces. Yeah. Yeah, the interaction. Oh, God. I, I, I live for it. Well, I'm, I'm all for, um, helping people figure out alternative ways to make money for themselves. Mm -hmm. And people assume, um, you have to be rich already or have money to make money. And you're uh, a living inspiration to prove that that's not true. I think that's fantastic. I'm going to have some grit and a little creativity. Yeah. Um, Going back to your nine years at your, um, I mean, I call it a nine to five job or whatever it was. That's what it was. Um, can you explain that what it was like to pull the trigger and, and put in the two weeks notice and how long you were thinking about doing that and what, what that was like to jump out of the bird's nest and see if you could fly? you're so sweet. Um, there was no trigger to be pulled. My position was cut due to COVID. So I am part of the, what, 8 million Americans, um, that are unemployed. Um, you know, and perception is everything. I've started using the term self-employed because that's what I am. I'm self-employed. I'm not unemployed. And I kind of mentioned like my loyalty. Um, I've, I love what I, you know, what I did for that nonprofit and the mission I still believe in. Um, but gosh, what a blessing it was to get fired. I know that sounds weird, but I've heard that before. I oh have other friends. I've other friends that have been laid off or fired and it was the best thing that could have happened. Best thing that could have yeah. happened because I would have stayed and I would have I would have busted my butt to make things happen there. And you know, um, I give my best. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, put me in charge of collecting trash on the street and I will find a way to measure, you know, the reduction of waste and the recyclables and I will find a way. Um, where, where does that come from? Do you get that from your parents? My dad was in the military. Like my dad was in the military, and if you commit to something, you do it. 
and you give your best and there's no excuses. So like when things got rough for the business, I mean, there were, there were, there were days I'm like, oh my God, woe is me. But what, what if you're depressed? Well, like you, 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 you drink your coffee <laughs> black and you strap up your freaking boots and make it happen. Like, um, for me, I also have an eight year old. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I have an audience. I'm someone that's watching me, and I can't let her down. And she's a listen. She's a straight shooter. She'll ask me in a heartbeat, like, "Hey, hello, what are you doing? Why are you still home? You need to be doing something." Um, the eight year old, we call all of my friends call her the manager. She is the most mature person I know. Um, but I want that for her because you know it's a pandemic for us. But who knows what she's going to encounter. I mean, hell, if she might not have a rainforest by the time she's she's in her thirties. Who knows? Um, so I, I had to on days where I just didn't feel like lifing, just figure it out, get up, um, put on, you know, a nice blouse to go to my living room office and get her done. Like just deal with it. You know, um, but friends help. Friends you know, help. friends help so much. Um I found myself not wanting to express my frustration because I'm the positive friend. I'm the happy one. I'm the, I'm the one that always has, you know, their shit together. Um, but when I was finally okay with opening up saying like, guys, I don't know that I am okay. I have been sad more days this week than happy. And, you know, my coffee doesn't taste the same because of it. And for them to say, and that's okay. And give me permission to be in a funk and to, to navigate my way out of it. And I'm not, I'm no less Brianna. I'm not, I'm no less the fun friend or the friend that has it together. This is just a moment in time. Um, and to be gentle with yourself. Uh, I, people ask me, you know, how do you self-care? And I don't get my nails done. I don't get my hair done. You know, you're looking, people can't see me, but you know, we're, I'm sitting across from you with dreadlocks. Like I don't do the things, um, but I have been more gentle with myself. Like I stopped keeping to-do lists. I started making this is what you've accomplished lists. Like oh, wow. things I got done and only focusing on that. Um, so that's how I've been able to kind of bring myself out of it is just being gentle with me. I think that's wonderful. You need to be gentle with yourself. Yeah. But um, yeah, the no to-do list, but the accomplished list. Yeah. That, I've never man, heard that before. Forget that's that to-do cool. list. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> I have like 50 to-do list sticky notes that I ignore. Yeah, this, that, and this is a small thing, but it made such a positive impact in my day. Do you read, do you read a lot of books? I do. Um, so I have a, a strange relationship with my books where I will read about halfway through, put it down for a month, pick it up a month later, and then get into it. But by that time, I'm like three books in, halfway. Um, right now, I'm reading Uneducated. Mm-hmm. And gosh, that story, um, are, are you familiar with it? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. No. Oh, I got to You can borrow it. You, okay. can, you can truly have it if you, if you're interested after I get done with it. Um, but yeah, I, I do like to get lost in a, in a good book. Uh, if I want to uh, see if that's a book, I know what it's about. Um, is it about a woman mm-hmm. who kind of needs to get away from her family and everything she's taught about she kind of is raised in a cultish kind of religion is that the one they keep emphasizing that it's not about you know a specific religion but it gives us all these notes like there, there's a lot of religious references was she mormon i think so my little sister read it she she highly recommends it uh-huh and she lived on the hillside with her family and just like and i can relate you know there is there's some a lot of social norms that 
you know, I thought were universal until, you know, you go to college, you're like, oh, wow, people don't do, Mm -hmm. don't do things the same way all over. Um, but yeah, I'm super into it. Um, I would recommend it and, 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 uh, uneducated is a good read. Yeah, that's good. Um, did you go to college? I did. I graduated from UTC. Oh, great. I keep trying to give my degree back. But <laughs> they won't take it. I mean, this. I bet I don't they'll charge you. I bet they'll charge you to take it. I probably with a ridiculous interest rate. Like, hey, I'm not using this anymore. Like, return to cinder. Uh, no, college is important. College is cool. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen. There's a different course for different people. I don't. I don't knock anyone's path. I thought you had to go to college to make something of yourself. And uh, the Rona said, hold my beer because they're going to strip everybody of their jobs. And if you don't have like that, that entrepreneurial bug we talked about earlier, yeah. like it's, it's a shit show. Yeah. You got to be self-employed instead of unemployed. Man, you got to do something. Yeah. And it's going to be fall. If people are so unemployed, there's lots of leaves to rake. And I'm not against anything. I don't think, I think people have like this perception where they have to have this type of title um, or they have this perception of what success is. I'm not against anything. You know, yeah, I own Chat Taste Food Tours. I, don't, I will be the guide. I'll wipe off the table at the end of the meal if that's what it means to sustain myself. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't have a huge ego. No. You what? can't be too proud. Heck no. Yeah. No. What does it take? What can I learn? There's a lesson in every situation. And I mean, my eyes are wide open in this one. This has been and you know life changing. And you're talking about how your daughter sees you, and your your um, she'll notice that. But your employees mm-hmm. notice that. Your employees notice when the owner is wiping off the table. Yeah, you got to lead from the trenches, mm-hmm. and they are way smarter and they're amazing. Like our success as a business is based off of my staff. Like I give them kudos. I can't give them enough kudos. How many people work for you? So um, we have a logistics analyst. And he times all the tours, make sure everything is, is down to a science when you show up. Um, we have two tour guides. And then I just hired a part-time um, media director. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So Taylor is killing it with things I don't know how to do, which is like email and text marketing. I mean, those are my Achilles heels. And just bringing people around that are smarter than you has been my saving grace. I have, I have no problem not being the smartest person at that table. Yeah. Well, I'd prefer not to be this right? person at a table. Teach me something. Like, how, bring those talents. So how do you delegate? How do you hire people that are smarter? How do you find people smarter than you that want to work for you? Um, a lot of it is personality. Um, because my business culture is one that is, um, you have to work autonomously. I will not micromanage you. There has to be a certain level of trust because this is my baby. This is uh, my passion project. You know, I got good at Airbnb, but I didn't, I don't wake up in the morning excited about being a host. You know, I get excited about owning a food tour company. Um, And a lot of it is just references where people that know my personality, know our culture, know what's important to me morally um, and finding people through references that way. And I'm okay hiring someone, um, that is not an expert at what they do, but has that willingness to learn and will be transparent and honest with me about um, their shortcomings. You know, this is something I don't know how to do because oftentimes um, we can mutually benefit each other. They're working for me. They're producing this product for me, but I can find a way to connect them with someone that can perfect their craft because I'm a small business. 
No one is, is, I'm not paying bills with the money that I'm paying people. And I know that. So when you're working for me, it's typically your secondary job or um, something you're doing in your free time. So if there's a way for me to connect them with someone that can perfect their craft or um, help them in what they're doing career-wise, I do that as well. Um, Chattanooga is a, is a small city. Everyone is a half a human removed from everyone. Um, so that's been kind of my unconventional way of hiring people. Do you want to replace yourself with this business? Unpack that a little for me. Well, sometimes when you have a business, um, some people think uh, one of the goals is to work your way out of the business. Uh-huh. Um, is is this business so, so much of a passion that you want to stay at the head reins? Or, or is, is your passion more of creating businesses? Or is this, this the one that you want to hold on tight because it's your baby or, or do you want to get this started, stabilized, remove yourself mostly, and then start another one? Um, I've kind of had that full range of emotions with this business. Um, we talked earlier about, um, chat taste now being wholesalers, you know, and it's not, um, an avenue I thought we'd be in like an arena that I had envisioned, but I enjoy. Um, so I feel like my role I'm more about collaboration than competition. Like just for example, Chattanooga could use another food tour company. We have enough eateries and options for there to be another food tour. But instead of there being another food tour company, I would rather get someone with a similar idea that will work underneath the the chat taste umbrella and expand based off what we've learned, what we've done well, and kind of using that to expand chat taste. Um, But truly, uh, my role... I would like to see expanding to other cities, like give the chat taste that is Chattanooga proper, um, giving that to my trusted staff because Lord knows they could do it without me. Um, they are phenomenal and launching kind of these food tour, these culinary experiences in other cities, um, particularly in Tennessee, chat taste staying the name because it's just a play on words. Chat taste is the conversation yes. over food. Yeah. Talking conversation. Yeah. yeah. So there could be, and the goal is for there to be a chat taste Clarksville. That's where my father's military base was. Mm -hmm. Um, A chat taste Cleveland, just because people don't think one could exist there and thrive. There would only be two T's though. Um, You're right. No, it will say chat taste. It will will be chat taste Cleveland, right? Okay. I do like those three T's though. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, But um, I have enjoyed creating new businesses under the chat taste umbrella. So I don't know where I'll be in a year and three years, five years from now. Has anyone, is this happening in other cities of food tours? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, they're, they originated overseas. So some of the best food tours you're going to find in Spain. Um, I recently got back from Seattle because I'm a huge fan of their culinary scene. They have a Pike place food tour that I went on and, yeah, there's food tours there. There's food tours in, in Jersey. I've gone on, on the food tours in Asheville. Um, and I think all Chattanooga was lacking is just the timing. You know, there have been food tours prior to Chat Taste that haven't succeeded. And I just think it was the timing. Um, now where people are more engaged, people, the South Side didn't exist five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I just think the difference between chat taste and other food tours that have been here before is just the win. 
Mm-hmm. And now, now our city is ready for it. Yeah. It depends on the city. I think cities are, are, are ready for it because it's not only a tourist attraction. Um, it is also, it can be marketed to staycationers. It is something for locals as well. Were you developing um, chat taste at the tail end of your job? Or is this, you got let go? No, I was, I was operating all three businesses at like working full time, okay. teaching Airbnb yeah. and the but food tour company. transition to like, this is all I got now. Uh-huh. But Hey, yeah. it's changed a lot. Chat taste went from being, um, this hobby. Yeah. Food tours to being like, all right, what is the profit margin on that tour? What does that look like? Like this is real. You trim the fat. Clean yeah. It up. Oh yeah. I like chat taste what it is now during this pandemic is a much better structured and oiled machine than it was prior to the pandemic. Um, I know we're all like, you know, throw 2020 away, but I need it this year. Mm. I needed this time to stop, slow down and think. It's good to hear someone finally thankful for this year. I had, I mean, if, if, if it had to be this way for me to slow down enough to um, do a product um, and max master it the way I have. You know, that without they say without um, friction, there's no growth. So you need, humans need hard things to grow better. And we need Prosecco. What's Prosecco? It's like champagne and vodka. Ah. We, need, <laughs> we need a few more things than that. We need... <laughs> Need if vodka. you would have said, yeah, vodka, I know what that is, but <laughs> shout to Last and Lions. Uh, uh, you could have said Winking Owl or, Winking Owl. or a Boda Box, and I would have, I would have gave you the nod. But the best two ninety nine <laughs> wine there is. Yeah, uh, two buck Chuck, um, mm. cheap Charlies. Okay, now you're talking my language. Yeah, and I'm a cheap <laughs> wine girl. Like, give me a, a cheap bread. Like, give me that two ninety nine Merlot from Aldi. I'll be fine. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm not hard to please at all. That's great. Um, what is, can I ask you what your favorite restaurant is in town? No, it's like picking a favorite child. Like you're putting me in a precarious situation. I probably shouldn't invest. I will say that my favorite location currently is MLK. Mm, Okay. And narrow it down to a region. I like that. You know, um, I would say MLK has been really awesome lately. You have new locations, you have breweries, you have barbecue you have neutral ground which is phenomenal chef kenyatta is knocking it out of the park with his um, new orleans style po boys and ramen um that area if you can park on mlk and just walk two blocks you're, you're going to be thoroughly pleased with the the amount of options that are there so can you explain more about um and i don't you're gonna have to help me with the name um what's the is it called the pulse or what's across from hunting and smith that Across from Hutton is Proof Barn Incubator. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Oh, gosh. Um, so what um, Mia and Mike, the, the two co-founders of Proof Barn Incubator, have done is that they have essentially a test kitchen. So if you have a restaurant, a concept, and you want to master it with the with a collective, with, with mentors, you go to Proof Barn Incubator. They hold your license, and they, allow, they help you perfect your craft um, from... The commercialized from the back kitchen to the front of the house type of relationship for any successful business. Um, I don't know data on the failure rate of restaurants in Chattanooga, but nationally we know that it's 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 extremely difficult. So what they've done there is um, chefs shared their kitchen. Um, there are different sections of the kitchen that can be leased. Um, 
But gosh, what they've done there is such a creative and helpful um, business dynamic. Um, so currently at Proof Barn Incubator, there's the Proof Bar that is consistent. It's always there. It's run by uh, Kalina, um, who owns the Bitter Bottle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Neutral Ground, which is, again is that New Orleans style food. Um, and then as well as uh, Kendra's uh, Poppytons and Patisserie, which are desserts. Um, she had vegan donuts, um, you know, last weekend. And they, they're, they're phenomenal. Is that the variety of food that MLK offers now didn't exist a year ago prior to that location opening. Are those three um, in rotation? Do they get a month there or something? Or how does, how does that work? I can't speak to um, kind of the contracts. I'm not sure. But you're talking about a sad day. I'm going to cry when you, <laughs> when Neutral Ground leaves. Um, but Little Oso was there before. Little Oso is also like a Market, local favorite. They were mm-hmm. at Market South for a while. They were at Market South, and then they transitioned to Proof. And I, I, I think they have a new location that's opening off of Main Street. Um, they go underground, and then they pop up. <laughs> and literally, I'm on their heels. I'm a huge fan of Little Oso. Yeah. Is um, South Market doing the same thing as far as um, kind of an incubator place for new people yeah. to try out? So the, um, that location outside of Market South is um, kind of has that tr- similar transition uh, minus the team dynamic. Okay, um, where the mentors. Pre- and yes. The, okay. So you have to have a polished product to be at Market South because you're not going to be assisted along the way. Uh, whereas Proof Barn Incubator, um, you kind of have that those support systems in place um, from your your menu to pricing to you you know that that, that front of the house um, hospitality component. Um, I'm interested in why where are all the food trucks in Chattanooga? I don't know. Is that red tape? Is it you just can't get a permit to to have them? I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know where they've gone. Uh, just, I'm just curious. And- you could always find food trucks at major events. And I do think the dissolution of our outdoor events, the Ironman events, head yeah. of the hooch, um, you know, the, the larger markets on Sundays. Uh, so food trucks don't necessarily have kind of that one-stop shop to kind of set up and make it worthwhile. Um well, I've been to I've been to other cities and and they have permanent locations. Permanent locations, and I like that because I know this is where I'm going for tacos, and I'm gonna drive there, and it's gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never personally been a fan of the pop up food truck, and you got to follow social media and mm-hmm. hunt it around, you know, because it's if it's Wednesday and I want some Raymond, um, I I just want to yeah. drive to the place. So I'm just. I do I, think that Chattanooga, there's a lot of room for growth. Yeah. And I do think that that is an area um, that could certainly be approved upon. I mean, we have Miller Plaza and Miller Park. Um, but what I love about River City Company is that they're so open to ideas. Um, I know there's a COVID response to every idea and every suggestion now. I mean, but come on, like those, they are part of the restaurant sector. You yeah. don't often think of the food truck industry. I do have... Um, I do know someone that has a food truck that is pivoting and is now making, um, seasonings and that's, you know, Chatterbox, mm-hmm. their food truck is, is, is famous in the city. Um, and I know now he is part of the same cohort that I'm in with, with, uh, CoLab and he's now producing seasoning and I don't know, you know, uh, it'd be, you know, 
premature to say it's because of sales or why, sure. but what a beautiful time to get into another um, area of business. Uh, and that's what he's done. So, so hats off, kudos to Chatterbox. Yeah. Um, I think they were, they used to have a brick and mortar mm-hmm. right on market, I yes. believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea if they're still there, but things are just so different now. But I don't know who's listening, but Chattanooga, if we need to start a petition on a permanent food truck location. I would love, I would be the first one to sign. I'd be the second. I, I think it would, it would gain a lot of traction. I yeah. think people would be about all about that. I like all options. I like the, mm-hmm. the brick and mortar, the, the food trucks, um, the virtual food tours, mm-hmm. of course. Um, that's like the turnkey. You know I what I that. like? Um, I wish the food, once we have this food truck, and I'm just throwing out my suggestion to sure. the universe. Yeah. Have a tasting option. You know, I want to be able to try multiple food trucks and not commit to one meal every time. You know, I'll have my favorite meal just because I am who I am. But this, I bring back tapas and tastings and, you know, different options. Like, I want all the food all at once. Like, don't make me pick. Do we have uh, a tapa place in Chattanooga? Um, so... Paloma Bar de Tapas at the rooftop in the Westin is a tapa bar. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So whereas our other locations on the food tours present their signature dishes in tapa format, that is a tapa restaurant proper. Okay, cool. Man, I'm learning so much on this podcast. I'm hungry now. I should have brought snacks. We should. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, a couple hours for dinner, so we got some time to wait, but uh, it's a good thing I already ate. Um, that, what did you have for lunch? Just curiosity. I had a, um, a curry chickpea and sweet potato salad from Mean Mug. Sweet potato. You see where I'm from the South. Sounds, sweet potato salad from Mean Mug. It was delicious. Sounds fantastic. Um, do you have any advice for people who, to go from self, um, unemployed to self-employed? Pull if, out, uh, like I want people to pull out their imaginary toolkit, um, of what they're good at, not expert, you know, I don't think I'm an expert in anything, but there are certain things that I'm good at and I like people, um, no matter what it is, pull out your, your imaginary toolkit of talents and find one and build upon that. Don't focus which you, where, where, where you need your areas of growth that will come later, find something you're good at. And there is a way to monetize it. You could be good at social media. Those are, those are jobs. I don't know if memers, is that, is that a word? People? <laughs> yeah, it is now. You coined it. Good night. Like I would personally pay someone's salary for memes. Memes get me through my day. <laughs> all right. Um, but no matter what it is, you can truly monetize any talent you have and give yourself credit for the talent. I know people are listening. I don't have any talents. If you run, if you're good at, if you're good at giving advice, it doesn't matter. Like do a podcast, do a, um, a talk about to teach something, someone something that you're good at. I mean, there is a market for every talent. Everyone's into gardening now. Hell, do you know how many people on YouTube don't truly know what they're doing and get, you know, thousands of subscribers just because they're winging it and the people in the comments are their true experts? It cracks me up. Um, is that how YouTube works? The people in the comments the, are the true experts? The internet is undefeated. People will rip you apart. Like, that is not the way you plant fennel. Like, sorry. I'm sorry. This is the way I plant this. But my advice to people would be find one thing you're good at. And 
I, I hope this is posted somewhere so that people can like write it in the comments. Like I am good at this. Yeah. And then everyone just support it. Like, have you tried this dynamic? Have you tried angling your talent in this way? Because that collaboration is what matters. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't see um, the forest for the trees. And if you're really depressed, ask your friends, hey, friends, what am I good at? The good friends. Like, you can't ask <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yeah, of course, the good friends. The good friends. Yeah, of course, the good friends. Um, yeah, yeah. I should have been more clear. But hopefully everybody has a good, a couple of good friends. I think that's so mm-hmm. important. I'm, I'm really lucky to have a couple of good friends. Yeah. And that's, uh, some people don't have good friends. I'll be their friend. Yeah, you need like, to. I'll be their friend. You have to have a good village around you. And it doesn't have to be a lot of people. Like one to two good friends is more valuable than being the most popular person ever. Yeah, or the most smartest person mm-hmm. or the clever. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This was fun. This was very fun. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming. I love doing these and uh, I had a wonderful conversation with you. You're very, um, a very good inspiration to people. And I really like a couple key points like pivoting. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And then I'm not so I'm not unemployed now. I'm self-employed. Exactly. I, perception, are, man. It is perception. Yeah. The glass. I can tell half full mm-hmm. over there. The glass is half full. Not oh, half yeah. empty. So thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I got to go get one, a hoagie now. Yeah. Well, mama, we're coming after you. Open those doors. You got people beating <laughs> them down. Come on. We're Thank hungry. You. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. And there you have it. That's my conversation with Brianna Garza. Such a happy, inspiring, positive person in the year 2020. It's wonderful. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is very helpful, especially in the small town of Chattanooga. You can also leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And the most helpful thing is to actually write out a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps the show um, come up higher in search bars. So that would be much appreciated. Otherwise, tune in next week and I'll talk to you later. Bye.